You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's going on, Downers? Welcome back to the show. We've got a cool episode today. So in case you didn't know, I do a podcast for Tooth & Nail Records called Labeled. And we go through you know stories and rumors and stuff like that in Tooth & Nail history. And so we just did what is the coolest and best episode so far in that one. And that's the story of Under Oath in 2006 when they kind of collapsed and left Warp Tour. And there's all kind of stuff going around then. Um, there, you know, Fat Mike from NoFX was talking about them from stage. And uh, he was saying that they had done, he had done cocaine with Spencer from Under Oath, and at the time, Under Oath was a relatively uptight Christian band, and so it was just this really high drama, and I was there the whole time. Emory was parked next to Under Oath, and were really good friends with them, and hung out with them every day. Uh, saw the whole thing go down firsthand, and there'd been a lot of rumors and stories about it, and so we made an episode to really get to the bottom of it and tell the story the way it ought to be told. So before you listen to this episode, you might want to go listen to the Tooth and Nail podcast called Labeled, and the most recent episode that just came out. Now, in doing that episode, I talked to Aaron Gillespie for about an hour just to get his story. I talked to all the guys, but the, the conversation I had with Gillespie was just really natural and great, and there was a bunch of cool stuff in there um, that didn't fit or make the episode that I think you guys would like to hear. So Aaron is the drummer and singer in Under Oath and somebody I know real well, so conversation was was pretty cool i thought you guys would like it so that's what the episode is today it's not a real epi- it's not a regular episode in that i'm not talking to them in as much of a natural way, I'm more like redirecting him, trying to get him to say the stuff I'm going to need. So it's kind of also a behind the scenes take of, you know, how I how we do interviews and stuff to to pull out clips for the labeled podcast. So it's a little bit uh, interesting in that regard. If you're wondering what the process is like for making a more of a high produced podcast, but again, you'll notice that it's not necessarily a fluid conversation like I'm normally trying to do. So we'll get to it in just a second. I got to tell you a couple things. Number one is I. I've started a Facebook group for the Break It Down podcast because we do one for Bad Christian. It's a lot of fun. So there is now a Facebook group called Break It Down. You can search for it, right, Reva? You just search Break It Down Facebook group? Yep. Yep. Search Break It Down Facebook group and then request to be in there and we'll approve you. And then we can start talking about the kind of stuff we do on this show and I don't know, whatever topics you guys want to talk about. I need a place to interact with my audience. So I hope everybody will join me there and we'll get a little community going of people that are like-minded and like the same kind of stuff that, that, that we all like. So that's the idea there. And also I've got to tell you about one of my sponsors, of course, and that's That's It. So That's It is a company whose mission it is to change the way the world eats their produce. So it's kind of simple. They took the world by storm with their fruit bars, which I love and have talked about on the show. And you can see them everywhere. They're in Starbucks. Everybody knows what they are. That's it. And their mission is basically to just take simple, plain ingredients of produce, things that you want to eat, that you know you need to eat, and make it easier for you to do so. And now they're tackling veggies. And so to be able to have them in a routine way in a bar and available at any time is a great way to make sure that you get the vegetables and vitamins and things that you've already intellectually decided are things you'd like to consume more of. And being able to put them in a routine is a great thing. Keep them in your car, office, on your way out the door for breakfast. Keeping it routines is a really good idea. Now, let me tell you about a friend of mine named Andy. He works on the other side of the door of my office right here, and he's the biggest health nut I know. He's the person that cares the most about nutrition and how he eats of literally anybody I know, and he's always asking me, can he have more of these things? He got a whole box 
that take home with him. And uh, they're popular around my office. That's that's what I want to tell you. And that's it. Veggie bars are good for you. It's simple. All bars are under 100 calories, no preservatives, gluten-free, non-GMO, four grams of protein, no fat, kosher, and vegan. They're a great way to get a full serving of vegetables every day. Like I said, you have them on hand. No reason not to do it. So here's all you got to do. You, you'll see these out in stores. Pick one up and you'll like it. But here's what I really want you to do is head to www.thatsitfruit.com and enter the promo code DOWN. You can save 10% off any order today. Eat your vegetables. Go to thatsitfruit.com and enter promo code DOWN. That's it, fruit. Eat those veggies, people. Okay, let's uh, get into the episode here. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to go through this story, and I want the main things I want from you are what specific memories, sensory memories, what you felt like, what you saw. And we're going to go just go through the story, the little fairy tale, basically chronologically. And okay, I just gotcha. want you to give facts and sensory memories as we go through here. I'll keep you on track. But anything interesting you want to tell me, it'll do it. But we're, yeah, we're, if, you can, if you can just ask pieces of questions to yeah. get me started, and then I think yeah. that, that'll be... That'll probably be the best yeah. way to do well, it. Well, it goes. I it guess. basically goes like this, man. It's like, uh, all right, man. Tell me about that time. You remember that when y'all left Warp Tour and we were parked next to you and that whole day, and you know, tell yeah. tell me about that. What's your first memories of that? What do you think uh, of when I, when that comes up? So, <laughs> this is funny because we have a big we have a big joke about this in the band. Grant, Grant's an atheist. Like a like a professing atheist now, mm-hmm. and that's something that he's kind of come into in the last five five or six years, I would say. But I swear, I swear to you that you know how on Warp Tour you stand in the truck before yep. you go on stage. Mm-hmm. A couple days before the what you're asking about, Grant looked at me and he denies this shit up and down. But he looked at me and he said, uh, "The spiritual state of our band is in disarray," or something to that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. something to that effect and i've said that to him recently and he goes there's no way i said that you're just messing with me blah 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 but um it started to get real weird and and there was like all these rumors as as you know like we were we had got off stage and fat mike had been messing with us from no effects been messing with us all summer yeah, let's we slow got down stage. here this is all good let's slow down here so when you say spiritual state there in the first place um what was the idea like before that when you were spiritually balanced or good what was that like tell me what see that i don't was. i don't i don't think that's i don't think that's something you can say well just tell me what the act the activities were like uh, y'all used to pray together re, like what yeah. was the, the thing that sounds goofy now when you look back just describe what it felt like being a christian yeah, band I in mean, 2002 we would, we would back. pray together we would pray together have bible studies you know the stuff that you do as an evangelical modern day quote christian but we i always felt like we were forcing forcing that you know it was never like uh, a natural thing for us. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we always, and, you felt and, like and you had to do it or you were supposed to do it. E, e, supposed to, and had to, but then also forced it. Even, even 
like even more than like, oh, I feel like because I grew up in this genre of humanity that I should do this. It was more like we even had to force it beyond that. And mm-hmm. you'd get six different answers from six different people, you know, in the band. But to me, it always felt like we forced that. And at this point in 06, when we left the tour, you got to think, you know, we were we had sold a hundred thousand records first week of define the great line. And it was wild, man. Like it was just a wild let, time. Sorry. Let me still stay far back. Let's let's right before we get here, just to catch it at the very beginning yeah, of this yeah, episode, yeah. let's start all the way back to, uh, how, you know, you being getting into Christian music in this band being, you know, like I wrote in here, you're teenagers and you, you're playing small church sure. shows and you do believe the band is a ministry. Just start, just give me, tell me what that was like. Tell me that, just give me the facts about that. It's weird. It's weird to talk about the facts of the ministry band and being a kid because I don't feel like, you know, I'm thirty. I just turned thirty-four last month, and I I don't feel like I had a choice. I felt like because we all grew up in church, and we all um, had the same belief system. That's just what you did. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But like deep down, if you ask any of us now, deep down, did we ever really like? exercise that ministry i don't i don't know that that's the case well tell me that, what, what you say that's just what you did give me some examples just try to help me just put yourself back yeah. in that place and tell me what you were doing and what it felt like when you were 17 and traveling and being a christian yeah and what the it, what you thought the mission was back then you can make fun of it but just tell me what it was. no no i i don't think that i don't think that it's disdainful i think that it was a great time for us but i think we wanted to talk to people and other bands about god we wanted to um make the focus of the music about God. Um, we wanted to have that always on our lips. And I think that even to me now, looking back at it, I feel like we still forced it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like, and I know I know that sounds really weird, and I have strong spiritual beliefs now in my 30s, but I think at the time that we thought that it had to look like church ministry looked, but with a metal band. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that was I the only like model it, you had. Like, it was ministry, and then you happened to do a metal band. So now, of course, the metal band looks like church ministry. Right. I mean, I think it was the same for a lot of us. See, for you guys, for a lot of us, is you grew up in church, and you grew up as a Christian. So then you started a band, and it was wrong to be anything other than a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, especially growing, growing up in the South like we all did. You know, like, it was wrong to be anything other than a Christian. So you just had to fight at kind of combining those two things, which I think is anti-healthy um to force anything but also anti um anti-truth you know um but yeah that's how it looked you know so what was it like from there between there and that day on warp tour how did how did it how did things change oh god like what you know obviously started having success and things started to look different but yeah after dallas left you know we played cornerstone and Dallas became very toxic over relationship, you know, um, that he was in at the time. Um, he actually ended up marrying a girl and got a divorce. And this is this is pre that. But we asked him to leave the band. And it was this really weird time where we didn't even know. There's been so many times in Under Oath and we didn't even know if it was going to be a band. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a strange thing to say. But for a band that had that success and has that success and we're back at it now you know, playing shows, but it's really interesting. Like it always felt like it was, we were on the verge of cracking somehow with under oath and 
at that time we asked Dallas to leave and we thought it was over. And then Spencer actually joined the band just to do a handful of shows. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, I know one was in Birmingham and one was in Nashville and one was in Atlanta. I think it was like just like six or eight shows. And his girlfriend was best friends. Spencer's girlfriend at the time was best friends with Chris's now wife. So Chris and Spencer became friends and I don't think to this day, if I think about it, I don't think to this day we've ever asked Spencer to be in the band. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, like he filled in for those shows and then we just started writing They're Only Chasing Safety. And after that, everything was just this weird acceleration. We started getting all these tours, you know, with Taking Back Sunday and My Chemical Romance and um, going all over the world. And um, at one point, K-Rock told Brandon evil that if we did a radio edit of that song reinventing your exit off of they're only chasing safety that they would like put us on drive time and give us like this crazy um kind of roll out the proverbial red carpet of radio and we said no you know we were like too punk or whatever we're like no we're punk as shit like we can't do that you know or whatever um and looking back on it i'm glad we didn't because define the great line was this total departure and it really worked okay so let's um, let's stay here with i'm trying to get with spencer you were a spiritual yeah, act you're doing bible studies you're doing stuff like that then dallas is gone from the band and you add spencer in who doesn't seem to have the same he doesn't seem to come from the same frame tell me about him not being the same dna i don't think i i don't think that that's true okay like i think that he thought that was his dna because he was with us you know i don't know that i don't know i know spencer was raised as a christian Mm -hmm. um but uh, and he won't he would not identify as a christian today and when he came in the band he had to there was something he had to conform to somewhat yeah i mean i feel like can you say that in your words because i don't want my words on there so so start with saying when spencer joined the band and then start talking in that area yeah. Sorry, I'm when directing Spencer's you on, here, but this is for a specific purpose. No, no, it's just it's yeah, it's I I get it. You need like a very pin pinhole thing. Uh, when he when Spencer joined the band, he was very uh, he talked about faith a lot, and I remember a conversation we had actually that was like I was like he's like I just write about loving Jesus or that might be grossly paraphrased. I can't remember, but he said something to those to that effect, and you know, Chris, Spencer doesn't identify as a christian at all um but i think that he thought much like we were talking about earlier where i said we felt like we had to be this spiritual band i think that he felt that he had to be a spiritual person um in order to kind of fit in with us you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and he 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 has we've talked about this many times and he has a very different view of how that looks you know um, and I think that that's what, in the end, us pressuring him um, and us pressuring each other to be overly spiritual, I think, is what the demise with the Warp Tour thing was. And we were parked next to you guys mm-hmm. on Warp Tour and we left is because there was a rumor going around that summer that Spencer had been did, had been doing drugs with Fat Mike and um, everyone freaked out. But I feel like everyone everyone knew where we were, but it was scary to say it. It was scary to say, you know what, like we aren't. The spiritual people that we think we are like mm-hmm. we have mistakes we have issues we have drug issues we have sexual issues um we have all of these issues and i think that instead of just looking each other in the face and going yo like 
are we supposed to be like this? Maybe, but but are we not? Maybe. Instead, we were just we freaked out and pulled the plug. Is um, that insecurity? You think? Like I don't know, man. Th- was I, it projecting think, onto Spencer the problems when there was problems all around or something? I think it was projection onto him because he was the one dabbling with drug use, you know. And at the time, like I was was out of wedlock, sleeping with my girlfriend, which is like to me not a big deal. But now, but then, that was like a huge problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like something you look at and go. And I understand the no sex before marriage and why that's an instituted institution. Um, but at the time, that was a huge detrimental thing. And like we were all doing things or judging each other or being cruel to each other in that way. Um, and I think that we just projected it onto him because that was the easiest mm-hmm. thing for us for us to do. You know what I mean? Um, tell me. But I still feel guilty about a lot, um, even now. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, tell me how, I'm just trying to get the clearest way to, to paint the picture, but to me, outside point of view, it sounds like when Spencer joined the band, it was a different element, as in he missed those, you, just like we had Seth and people in our band, and then we were big, and then Dave joined the band, and he just joins this band. So he joins it. Dave joins our band when we're successful, but there's this history of the band that was crazy, which was the four years before we were that Dave didn't even see. Yeah, so that's sure. different. So so all that super religious stuff that you were into at that time, Spencer missed. He came in just at the part where you start go, going out and touring with Coheed and Cambria. You know what I mean? So yeah. tell me how it Spencer was different than everybody else upon joining. Spencer was different. And is different because I think he's one of those people that doesn't um, in his life now. And even then, I mean, obviously you are who you are. He's one of those people that doesn't really hide much. You know, he's very like, this is me. This is who I am. So with him coming into the band and us making their only chasing safety and to find the right line and having all the success, um, he just laid it all out there lyrically too. You know, we, we are, we're co-writing lyrical team, but with the Find the Great Line expressly, which is the record that we were had just released when we left Warp Tour that summer, um, it was very much about his struggle with drug use. It was very much about his his issues in life, and it was very honest and open, which is why I think that people come to me today still and say, that record's so healing for me because he was very mm-hmm. uh, on his sleeve. Whereas back then, you know, like during the Dallas days and before They're Only Chasing Safety, we would have been careful to to bite our remarks you know in in order to remain holier whatever the hell so you, you think know what he I mean? was actually doing a good thing by laying it all out there when you guys were repressing or something absolutely yeah he was he was definitely doing the right thing which people need honesty you know what i mean especially people that listen to this type of music and especially at that time you know he was the one that had the guts to say this is who i am this is this is this is what I mean, and this is kind of where we are, and I think that that was just, I think that's really the nexus of the whole thing, is that scared the shit out of everybody. Mm -hmm. Us in the band, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it scared us bad, because we thought that, like, oh, we're like, we're this ministry, or whatever whatever we thought, you know, like, whatever we believed that it could be or would be, you know. So he was kind of doing the good thing, but you actually, put yourself back in that time, you actually thought that he was doing bad things. Like it felt, that's the way it felt. Yeah. I think that, you know, we were all doing bad things in the sense of like actions mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and, and being completely dirty to each other in the sense we were just 
if you weren't one way, you were out. You know, we always say, we have this joke thing we say in Under Oath, it's do what we do. You know, and it was always like, we all have to kind of be the same person. I think this happens with bands a lot when they see successes. You grow up in this band and you're like the same guy. Everyone's the same guy, and you know this better than anybody. Is everyone's the same guy, then you start to grow up and become someone else. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's really hard when you realize, like, you get some success and everyone becomes someone else. And you're like, oh, man. Like, I don't like that guy anymore because he's becoming his his total realized self. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's that's super scary. So I think that in the end, that was it. It wasn't like he was doing the right thing lyrically and the right thing emotionally, but he was dealing with some other stuff in his personal life. And I think that we all looked at that like, and it's a little different for me versus the rest of the band because Spencer is the closest person to me in my life and has been for you know the better part of 15 years. Um, we do everything together, you know, um, lyrically. Uh, we spend all of our time together. Um, that whole thing. So for me, it was even harder because I saw his issues, his personal issues, or or the rumor of personal issues because it wasn't even happening at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some of that tape I, from the other guys. It sounds like you were a little bit torn. Like the band, the vibe of the band was this high pressure on Spencer, but you kind of felt for him. This was one thing I heard other people say. That's what Spencer yeah. said, actually. No, it's true. It's, it was this high pressure thing of like, do or don't, you know, do or die. Like, get out or or get better or do this. And I was kind of like, well, why don't we just address the situation and deal with it? You know, and, and I look back on that as like, maybe maybe a lot of that was me wanting to to keep this success going you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there was an element in everyone of like dude we have a number two record in the country right now like are we really gonna do this because blow this whole thing up because we're upset about a social issue you know but in true under oath fashion we can't do anything without doing it to the nth degree mm-hmm. so we just got in the bus and drove home Okay, so back to that warp tour. Tell me how it felt back then, that summer, and what how it was brewing, and what exactly what happened. Now tell the story of that summer. Yeah, that summer we got on warp tour. We just had Define the Great Line and go from there. Yeah, yeah, we were on warp tour and Define the Great Line. I think released it released right before warp tour, or right right, right around there in the first couple mm-hmm. weeks. It was it was right in that time, and it did um it did a hundred thousand copies first week. Um, which we, I mean, it was one of those things like we had no idea if it, if it would even work because it was such a departure from the only chasing safety. I think if we would have made their only chasing safety part two, we would have been like, you know, real big for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but this record allowed us the longevity that we've experienced tonight. I, it was really successful. So we're on war tour and we're playing like last almost every night. And, you know, the crowds were crazy. There's a different time, you know, there's, lots of people and some of the best crowds um, i've ever seen for sure it was wild of, of music it, like the most biggest crowds with the most people into it in the right way i've ever seen yeah it was you were there you know i mean it was it was a really really it was a yeah it was a crazy time i look back on that time and i almost don't believe that it exists but yeah spencer spencer was hanging out with a lot of people on warp tour which i look back now and that's what we all do you know like we were very like i i, I don't know if it, you would say clicky at the time but we hung out with like a few bands like you guys and a few bands here and there but he was like you know spending the night on the bus with chiodos and 
um, hanging out with Anthony Green all the time. And he had a lot of different friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that we, you know, for me, I was like, well, I guess he's just out doing his thing. You know, I don't really know what's what's going on. But at that time, you know, Warped 06, we were all drinking um, quite a bit and, you know, all hanging out. But he would always be off doing something else and um, hanging out with people, which is he was just mingling and doing his thing. He was dating a girl and she worked for a different band and he was always he was always out doing something. And I think that's when that summer for whatever reason, Fat Mike from No Effects decided that we were going to be his like <laughs> nemesis mm-hmm. or something. I don't even. Do you remember why that even happened? I like, never I thought even... of it that way. I thought of it as he was just. I mean, I think you might have felt it. That's what I'm kind of curious about because I think you might have felt it as he was attacking you guys. But I just saw it as oh, he's just having fun from stage. Like he's just playing. Around. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, you think he was actually. Had, well, I mean, because because you're not you weren't privy to a lot of the conversations. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about it that summer, I remember. But he he would come hang out with us, like you know, in front of the on Warped Tour. You sit in front of a bus with under a tent and your chairs and you drink beer. You know that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And he would come hang out and like tell us this, this crazy stuff about like them getting dominatrix sex slaves on their bus and like. They were all married with children, you know, and they would have like these sex parties. And then he would talk about like the craziest stuff. Like, and I felt like it was just to get a rise out of us mm-hmm. at the time because we were so, you know, to him, we were like these goody two shoe Christian kids that thought he thought we all voted for George Bush and, you know, we thought we right. were all super right wing people, which wasn't the case. But um, he would say things like that to us, and I think he would say things like that to us to get a rise out of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if that stuff was actually going on that he was talking about in his life. And, and it's none of my business if it was, and I don't care if it was. But um, I feel like it was – he was mad. Um, I don't know about at our success, but he was mad at our maybe our youth and our success or, or, like you said, he was just having fun. Yeah, well, you know it can be mean? both. Maybe both of those things are true. Like, he yeah, might, I mean, I, here it is, no effects, Fat Mike on Warp Tour, and you guys had the biggest crowds, and you're some douchebag right-winger Christians that don't believe in dinosaurs. That I mean, of course that's easy to make fun of from, from his point of view. It <laughs> is, and that that's funny. The dinosaur thing is funny yeah, now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's so dumb. I but. Know. You know, but oh, and you remember I, the uh, remember we were doing Bibles like we were you we were doing Bible studies on that tour. Remember it? God, do you remember? I was thinking about this when I was thinking about talking to you this morning. Do you remember when he showed up mm-hmm. like so fucked up on pills or something, and he sat in between me and Toby, uh-huh. and you were on the other? There was this giant circle. It was like a warp tour Bible study yep. that we had we had all started, and I'm, I'm Toby's sitting like to my right. And then Fat Mike's right next to me, and I'm sitting there, and you're across the circle. Haley, Haley from Paramore was in there, and and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember Toby going. I wish you would just tell me that what you actually believe, and you know how Toby gets when he gets mad, he like talks a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. He was like, I wish you would just tell me what you believe, and I wish you just wouldn't be say you believed in God. It'd be so much easier for for me to understand you. And he, and you know, and there there was no. He was trying to rationalize with Fat Mike at the time, and Fat Mike was just had like eaten like a bottle of pills or something. He was just like upside down. Um, 
but yeah, man, it was just, and so he began to say things from stage. That's where the whole dinosaur thing came from. He's like, Under Oath is a Christian band. They don't believe in dinosaurs. And then we sold these yellow shirts that says Under Oath believes in dinosaurs or something. We sold like thousands of these t-shirts and that <laughs> was so dumb do you remember that shirt? yeah i do and, and i remember him just saying there's no his whole thing was there's no this is warp tour there's no bible studies on warp tour that was his thing he's like you don't do this here this is not what this is <laughs> and it's funny because i remember us balking and pushing back like yeah you do because it's punk that's right you know, it's like, punk. we can do whatever we want to do we can do whatever we want i remember i remember you me and toby and dave having that conversation um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was just, and I think that like we, it's funny now, but at the time we kind of were like, we made that yellow t-shirt being like, you know, fuck you fat Mike. Like here's this t-shirt. Like we meant it, Yeah. you know, because obviously we didn't all vote for George Bush and we obviously believe in dinosaurs cause there's bones, you know what yeah. I mean? Like just like ridiculous stuff. And it all came to a head. I said earlier, Grant in the back of a truck said we're in a spiritually defunct state or something that's hard don't it's hard to say don't quote me on that because i don't remember exactly what he said and he's gonna be freaking pissed when he hears this but um the day after that conversation that grant had with us in the back of the truck before we went on stage fat mike said something about how he did a bunch of heroin or blow or something with spencer the night before on their bus which wasn't true did you think it was true at the time um, I did not personally. I think everyone else thought it was true. Okay, so um, this is this is kind of an important point. So let's slow down. Yeah. So Fat I, Mike said from stage that he did. It was it sounded like a joke. I remember hearing him say it live. He's like, "Hey, and I was doing coke last night with Spencer from Under Oath. It was all, or something like that. Like just a some joke he made. Something like that, right? I don't remember if he said heroin or cocaine. Was, well, I think it was coke. I mean, I do you remember? It. You were there. Yes, I remember it as being coke. But, I mean, of course, my memory may be tainted as well as I've put the facts back together and heard it from other people. But here's what, okay, here's what I remember. is Fat Mike said that he did coke from with Spencer from Under Oath last night or something like that, which sounded believable. Yeah, yeah. I didn't believe it because Spencer would never do cocaine with Fat Mike, number one. Because Spencer and I were probably the most offended by Fat Mike's rhetoric at the time. His mm-hmm. his poking fun at our band and saying all of this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that would have never happened. Spencer doing cocaine is one thing, but Spencer doing cocaine with Fat Mike is a whole other thing. And in, in my diagnosis of that summer, I think the biggest reason that we may have left warp tour and i i just thought about this the last couple of days as you told me you wanted to talk about this is we were trying to be these good guys and fat mike was to us this really like flamboyantly loud person for negative um which looking back on it he wasn't at all he was just being goofy um but we thought at the time he was this flamboyantly loud negative person and to have him claim and chide that he did drugs with our singer was a huge issue. And I think for us that that like really cut the band. Like mm-hmm. the fact that we were struggling with trying to be these spiritual people and struggling with trying to be these evangelical outreaching people. And then the very person that we should in our minds at the time we thought we should have been reaching out to Spencer did a bunch of cocaine with. 
So I think that's the whole reason. I didn't believe it, but I think, and this is me speaking for the situation from what I know, as I think that, I think that's what happened. Um, I think that he is the guy that we thought, you know, we really needed to, to be a, a, a light to or whatever Christianese term you want to come up with, mm-hmm. um, which I don't believe now is something that's necessary. Um, Do you think so, that the general public and the rest of the band, some of them thought that it was true, what Fat Mike said? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think definitely the rest of the band. Um, so you think the general, everybody in the band thought that Spencer did cocaine with Fat Mike, but you were the only one that believed Spencer? God, that's, dude... That I may feel be like true. You're, I, <laughs> you got really good at your job these last couple of years. Man. <laughs> um, I, yes and no. I think if you asked, honestly, I, 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 would, think, I would think yes because of what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we turned the bus on and left, and I remember Kevin Lyman come, Kevin Lyman coming on the bus and begging us not to go, like literally being like, "What do you want to do?" And we, of course, as everyone knows, got back together and came back the next year and fulfilled the dates that we missed and blah 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 blah. Um, but I think if you asked everyone now, especially Tim, if you asked them now if they believed that it was real, they would go, "I don't know." I think we, yeah. I think, I think that we in some ways, wanted it to be real. Mm-hmm. You it know? served a purpose to believe it, even if it wasn't true. Yeah, because it absolutely wasn't true, and I'm sure Spencer will tell you that it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't know. I, yes and no is the answer to that question. You know, I didn't believe it because I'm so close to Spencer, and I know how offended he was by Fat Mike's rhetoric the entire summer. Yeah. Well, so the, for the reason him this to, is interesting is because it just really plays into just like the – like you know, you said that it's just crazy now that I'm hearing you say it on this interview and ex- describe the tone of it because just like today, stuff's super polarized, and you there's got this other guy, Fat Mike, thinks you're these people, which today would be described as Trump supporters. He'd imagine, you know what I mean? And so there's, and you think yeah. he's the bad guy on the other side, and so then we see like this is kind of a good illustration of the cycle of like being afraid or changing or confirmation bias or looking to villainize something or have a scapegoat to, you know, make that chasm and divide like both fat Mike and the rest of your band was, was looking for a fight and to draw lines and to polarize really, you know what I mean? And it's so funny because our band is, is so not right wing Trump supporters. Like, I mean, we are like, mm -hmm. yeah, we are like not that. And I can't, I can't even put together in my brain how the polarization happened. Like now that I look back on it, I think it literally that that determined seemed seemingly determined polarization had to do with the fact that we were believers in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's and just more convenient my, for him to make you dummies, and it's more convenient for you to say cocaine makes you a bad person. That's just that's just that's that's just it. That's I mean that's just it. Because if you talk to a lot of people today and they would say they would say oh you're a christian from the south so you love trump you know what yeah, i mean right. like uh, they would it's just, they just convenient that to assumption. think that you right. love trump you and trump play golf right because you are a believer you know what i mean but the reality is is not every christian votes for trump yeah. you know what i mean like they just don't so yeah man it was almost it was almost easier to choose sides at that time you know mm-hmm. and for me i felt really 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 torn you know because of my love for spencer and 
because of my love of the success of the band at the time. I was just a little twerp at the time, dude. You know, I thought I was the shit or something. I don't even know what I thought. I was 23 years old. Um, but, you know, it was just a really, really – Look, thinking about it now, it was so easily dealt with. You know what I mean? Like if we would have been 34, 35, 36, the ages we all are now, then it would have been so much easier for any of us to pull Fat Mike aside and say, dude, stop messing with us. This is so dumb. Like, no, we didn't vote for Bush. Yes, we believe in dinosaurs. Yes, we have a different belief system than you that we adhere to, but that doesn't mean you have to be an ass. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so can you not say stuff from stage? Like, and even if even if that accusation he made were to have been true and we found out about it tomorrow, you know, say that we were 10 years older than it would have been a conversation. Like, Spencer, if you're going to decide to do drugs, maybe you need to do it not with a person like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it would be very different now. So I almost wonder sometimes if we go through things, if we went through those things to make us the people that we are now, the, the tolerant, you know, passionate about each other people that we've become. Um, yeah. I don't it's know. Part of your it story seemed, for sure. It part seems of, so, part of it. it seems so senseless now to me. You know, I think that obviously every story has, has a protagonist and, and, and something that pushes the protagonist backwards and forwards. But I think that I look back at that now and I go, we were just so stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it worked, <laughs> you know, that all of that craziness worked and making us really, really, really close friends, all six of us for the first time, you know, just in these last couple of years, like we really would take a bullet for each other. And I think that maybe it took all of that. I don't, I don't know, man. So I've got a different account, a third-hand account to corroborate something here that I thought was really interesting, and it's Dan Coke from Sherwood. you know Dan? Yeah, Okay. weird. Do you remember Dan was in the Bible study and all around that summer, too? Yeah, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, well, well, see, this is what's interesting. Dan was buddies with Fat Mike somehow, too. Now, according to Dan, he was on Fat Mike's bus with Spencer. I think with Spencer and Spencer's girlfriend, Dan Coke on NoFX's bus, whatever that night is, the night before. And he says Fat Mike went to the back, came back outside, hat, to the front of the bus with cocaine, and directly offered it to him and Spencer. And Spencer declined, and they sat there and talked or whatever and left the bus. So, sure. So, yeah. you know, Spencer That's has cool. said that, and there's no other corroboration of that, but I thought it was really interesting to find that Dan Coke was literally in the bus and corroborated that is exactly true. It did happen. Fat Mike did offer. Spencer did decline. And then the next day on stage, yep. Fat Mike said that he did. That, yeah, that's, see, I would bet you, you know, the farm that Spencer didn't do it. And it's really cool to have cooperation that he didn't. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a, why did you even know that? Why did you even know that Dan was on the bus? Why did you know that? I just talked to Dan. I did. I just kind of stumbled. In, you know why? Because I asked Dan. I said, "Hey, Dan, do you think you could get a comment from Fat Mike if you know him or text him? Could you message him see if he'd make a voice memo on what he remembers about that summer?" And he goes, "Well, you know, I was there and blah blah blah." I was like, "Oh yeah," and then just kind of stumbled into it. But I thought that Mike. was so cool because I wasn't a hundred. I don't know if I believe Spencer a hundred percent. Like when I did the interview with him, I did believe him. I did believe him because he was so forthcoming about all his drug use. There's no reason to lie about that one, is what I no. thought. But on no, the other yeah. hand, I, I remember back that day and the weeks and the years after, I was like, yeah, well, Spencer, he's being a shithead. So I, whatever they said about Spencer's probably true because yeah. you know how he is, He what he was doing. He's probably sleeping with his girlfriend and doing drugs. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that became the public perception, wouldn't you say? Like all the fans think it that is true to this day probably. Yeah. 
probably I, I i think that it's so hard to listen to that comment though like drugs are bad we all know that drugs are bad but it's so hard to listen to that comment and go and for me to think in the scope of the world and the scope of my life now that it matters yeah you know what i mean but it was so heavy then so yeah. they probably did think it was true but who gives a shit no i know that's what's yeah. so funny is it's such an item of, of of folklore or or mythology or something and and it's weird because it's like real <laughs> life it's really muddy i mean it's like well he, yeah he did drugs yeah. and he said he did cocaine so he did it here whatever i mean you know you just okay he did it fine like who, who are you gonna believe there at that point you know so it's just messy, but and it's not it even just, a big deal. But you guys had a tone that made it a big deal. The public made it a big deal. Fat Mike made it a big deal. I mean, it's it crazy. It's a funny thing. We have we have nothing without story, you know. Like especially if you look at things that are popular, you know, in pop culture, is nothing is great without story. Yeah, you know, when it comes mm, it to needs pop music, pop, that's right. pop music doesn't stick unless it has a story. And under a story has been that of what it is and what we're talking about, which is why I think the band exists still. Is there's this this story, but you know what? People probably do think it was true, and it's funny. Let me ask you this: Did you believe me when I told you he didn't do it just now? Because you, well, you obviously knew he didn't do it. I knew he didn't because Dan. But would you have believed me? Um, I don't know that I would have. Okay, like I said, I believe Spencer probably ninety five percent anyway because I and and th like back then I wouldn't have, but I talked to him recently for this, in which case I found him convincing. I believed him, ba mostly, right. but I didn't. I wouldn't. I didn't one hundred percent believe him. Is all I'm saying. Right. And then if I heard you say that you believe that he didn't do it, then I would have thought, well, he didn't. He. I would have just thought you would have had a bias to want to believe what you wanted to have believed. So I would believe that you didn't maybe know the truth, even if you believed. It. I wouldn't think you would lie about it. There's no way no, you would lie yeah, about yeah, it, but you may no. have not really known would have been what I would have told myself. Like, man, Spencer Coke. probably lied to him and he bought it, is what I could have said. But anyway, that to say, me being a later 30s mature person talking to my friend Spencer now, it seemed obvious he was telling the truth for the first time, sure. <laughs> which is sad. <laughs> I mean, that's really sad, but that's true. Yeah. And, it, no, and again, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter anyway. I don't care if he did. But for well, some reason, I thought it mattered or something, too. I don't but, know but let me ask you this. Would you have cared back then if you knew it was true yes that day I, that day so, i was disappointed like i was like why is spencer messing this up for them that's what i thought that's so interesting because now you don't care no if it, i mean spencer obviously isn't on drugs now but if he was would it really matter to you other than his safety and well-being yeah i mean if it became you know a problem I mean? like if toby started doing cocaine and be like okay well okay this is something to monitor <laughs> <Can you> imagine <laughs> <laughs> But I wouldn't no, have think yeah. it disqualified us morally from playing our next show. <laughs> <laughs> but I may have back then. I thought, uh-oh, we got to do, you know, I, I totally get, I, we were in the same place. But tell me what yeah. you remember about those very, those hours. Park next to us. What did it feel like? You came back. The band had a meeting. Yeah. Tell me what happened that then. Tell me about band meeting, emotions, the way people uh, felt, how it went down. We, there was a band meeting called and Chad Johnson was there. And he came, time, he Chad, flew, he, he was in, where were we? Do you, you remember don't, the city? You don't remember that? We were in New Jersey, but no, we were in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that sounds more right. I don't yeah, remember. No, some, maybe Warped Tour isn't in Pittsburgh, but it was like a weird Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania or something like that, yeah. It was like a weird Pennsylvania thing. We were all there and Chad Johnson showed up to like, I don't know if he showed up to mediate or, at the time he was our A&R guy at Tooth and & Nail and he had taken on kind of this spiritual role 
which is what you know he he's continued to do in his life now he started that label come and live where it's very like mm-hmm. it's very spiritually based and that's what he does um but he had come to like m- spiritually mediate or something you know and everyone got on the bus and it felt really accusatory at spencer um you know and i think that's when i knew that we were in trouble because you know if someone came to each to, to one another these days in the band you know on tour about drugs it would be like well what can we do to help you know but this was more like you did this and you did this and you did this so we're fucked and we're leaving you know what i mean and i don't i still don't understand in the meeting the outcome of the meeting was to go home and get spiritually repaired this is what i this is my take on the meeting Mm -hmm. we didn't go home and do anything we went home and sat there like we didn't go home and do anything like we went home and sat there till we could realize how stupid it was to leave and go dude like if you need help with drug addiction come to us and like let's figure each other out let's work on this together as as dudes as, as friends as a team you know like but somehow between chad and the band it was decided that we had to go home to better things and i know i just went home and sat there like pissed off you know what i mean um you know that bus rider at at the world i was just mad i was mad at the band i was mad at myself i was mad at spencer i was super mad at chad johnson at the time um because i felt like he so cooperated with the rest of the band on us having to go home and i didn't want to go home and um some of the band felt we should go home and he felt we should go get spiritually repaired or i don't i don't that might be the wrong word i don't remember um but it sucked it mm-hmm. sucked, and I still think it was pointless and stupid. So you um, packed up right then and there after the band meeting, and and that was it. We left that night. We left before bus call, I think, mm-hmm. or we might have had to wait till bus call because we were parked in by everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I just remember but, Grant came over and looked like his, you know, puppy died, and walked on our bus and just said, "I was like," and when he walked on, I was like, "Something's real bad wrong with Grant," and he's like, <laughs> "We're going home." And he, I mean, did you remember going out and telling people you were leaving or anything like that? I didn't. I didn't tell anyone. I think I just, I just walked around. I didn't. I didn't tell anyone. If someone asked, like, "Is it true?" You know, because Warped Tour was like that weird, miniature arcology. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like where things just happen. I think I remember people asking me, you know, but I don't. I don't think I went and advertised it. I, you know, I still think it was stupid that we did it. It's part of our story, and I'm glad that we did, and glad that we were able to see the wrong in each other and see the right in each other and see that in, in each other at the time, but it was just such a dumb thing looking back on it now, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And then you were about to say something about the bus ride? Oh, the bus ride was awful. It was just, you know, just, I don't, I wonder if Spencer was even with us. I can't remember. He was. He said Spencer's recollection of the bus ride was something along the lines of, Nobody talked to him the whole ride home except for you, and you like leaned over from the bunks like, "Sorry, man, I just like I like you know some amount of solidarity with him, but there's nothing you can do yeah. about it." But yeah. nobody else I talked to him, and then he got off the bus and just walked out. And that was that. I remember feeling like I felt. I do remember that moment now. I remember feeling like I wish that I could stop it all, you know. Um, but there was I was just. I'm just one dude, you know what I mean? Um, and we were on this train. It was just rolling. It was it was awful. I remember I stayed in my bed the whole ride, 
20 something hours back to Tampa. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I didn't get out of bed the entire time. Didn't eat. <laughs> just stayed in bed. <laughs> Wild man. And Wild so times. then you go home and you stay home and nothing's happening except for you still have the number two record in the country and the press is going crazy about you guys. Yeah. The press is crazy at the time about us. I think probably more so than they would have been with the success of the record because we just left the biggest thing we'd ever done. You know, Warp Tour back then was huge. Um, and not that it isn't a great thing now. I just was, it was different then. Um, so I'm trying to remember the exact timeline. So we all got together after a couple of weeks, or it might have been a month after sitting at home. We had, uh, you know, we had other tours booked. And it was the big bunch of conversations of do we stop doing these tours or do we do we figure it out and do these tours? And I was super adamant about like, you know, their next thing is this Canadian run with Kill Switch Engage, I think it was. I can't remember. But I was like, we have to do it. Um, so we rented a boat in my hometown of Clearwater Beach and all went out and, you know, grilled burgers and talked. And Chad Johnson came down again and was like mediating a meeting or something um which is cool you know he has such a heart for band dudes and stuff like that um and i i i think that i don't know if we decided that day on the boat that we were gonna we did that tour in canada but i don't know if it happened through a series of phone calls after that boat trip or if it happened on that trip i can't remember you thought there was a decent chance when you left warp tour that under earth was over i did yeah, I thought so because I didn't think that we could reconcile the situations. Um, I'm glad that wasn't true because that would have sucked. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I that boat trip. I think we decided that we would do it, and I remember there being like a really pivotal time when Tim said to Spencer, "You know, I want to be able to, I want to love you and help you through whatever you got to help, whatever you need help through." Uh, you know. It, instead of an accusatory thing like we're going home i remember there was a pivotal moment i don't know if that was a phone call that had happened or if that happened on that boat trip i can't tell you i but i know it happened around that time mm-hmm. um i think i think so yeah um the thing that's so crazy about it to me is it's it's really like a, a really pretty simple and normal interaction that y'all had in your early 20s that is supposed to be this silly argument where, you know, you see a local band out fighting by their trailer about the stupidest shit in the world and they're acting like it's the biggest deal in the world, you know? You know the type of yeah. argument I'm talking yeah. about? Absolutely. That is what this was. That's all this was, except for you had the number two country album in the country and there's tens of thousands of people there every day and you're on the biggest stage with the most pressure and you know what i mean and it's just that yeah. little argument unfolding about the ba- the lead singer's girlfriend's not supposed to do this or that or whatever it sounds so silly except for it was put in the context of all this power and all this pressure and all this scale I, and it just it just makes this little tiny thing that's not that big of a deal into the biggest thing ever <laughs> i think you're right but i also think it's, it's like what i talked about before earlier is that we believed that for us to do the right thing, we had to be these overly spiritual band and this overly spiritual people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really the crux of it. You know, I think that you can put the term of faith on anything. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my mom 
my mom's best friend's husband had a Christian body shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he fixed cars, <laughs> but he had like he had yeah. like an igthus that made the place Christian. And I think that when you grow up in a Christian home and you grow up in the South, you have to you feel like you have to have a label like that. You can't just be in a band. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be in a band with your friends, which is essentially what Under Oath was. But we thought that it had we had to hold this moniker. And I'm not saying it's wrong to hold that moniker. And I'm not saying it was even wrong for us. Um, it would be wrong for us now if we were to do that. But I think that was really it. You know, it wasn't just like the local band. You sang harmony off key, and your girlfriend ate all the chips and salsa. Right, right. Like I think it was like we're supposed to be these really great people and we're not, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I think that was really, it was, is we really upheld this thing that we were these really great guys. And the fact of the matter is, is we were assholes, all of us, you know what I mean? Like that's my, my take on the whole thing. So. so now in light of it, looking back at Spencer, let's talk nice about Spencer, you know, uh, let's let him off the hook for everything. Then Spencer, Spencer, obviously didn't do drugs with fat mike spencer will tell you to your face that he has dabbled in drugs a lot um but spencer has always been up front you know what i mean i don't think that he would he wouldn't walk on the bus and do cocaine but i think that he was never um he never was secretive enough about it that if you went up to him and asked he would tell you no you know what i mean he was he was never that person um, he'll always tell you about it in an interview. Um, and now and now that he doesn't do drugs at all, I think that he's even more open than he was then. But even then, if you were to ask him, he would say no. And I think even then, um, if my memory serves me right, he he literally was like, I did not do that, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's so hard. It's It hurts my it hurts me today to think about that time and think about the fact that, that everyone didn't believe him. That hurts. Mm -hmm. And like you just cooperating, it is wild because I had no idea you were going to say that. But I knew that. I told you that before you told me the Dan Koch story. You know what I mean? Like I knew that. Um, but but he wasn't believed, you know, and I that hurts me now at 35 years old. I'm like, dude, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? That this person who I hold so close and who I think is one of the most honest people that I know, he really told the truth and literally was just taken to court you know mm -hmm. and and sentenced guilty gavel down you did it um and he didn't do it at all you know what i mean so and, and in the name of something good like faith or whatever you know yeah i think that you know man i think this is this is where we get it wrong a lot of times as people of faith is when you do something in the name of christ that isn't socially right or isn't filled with with compassion or grace then you're just not you're just doing it in the name of yourself and attaching another name to it which is shit and i think that's what happened with that summer i really do i think that we did something in the name of christ that was just something that made us uncomfortable that's all it was it had nothing to do with jesus yeah you know what i mean we, we might say that some of us have different opinions you know we did this because we felt like our christianity was being challenged or or our you know our belief in christ and our exemplar relationship with him was challenged but i think it was just we were uncomfortable man it mm -hmm. was just a fucked up situation and everyone was trying to figure out how to how to deal with it and i think the safest thing in everyone's mind was to run you know what i mean but spencer at that time was not in my opinion completely and i you know i'm, I'm still like being so careful no one in the band would even care if i outed them and, and there's no outing to be done but at, at the time and 
he did Spencer did the did the right thing and we literally just spit in his face. You know, and, and granted I'm the one who's like told him sorry and I believed him, I did, but I still think I could have pushed back more. But it was difficult, man. Chad was there doing his thing and it just was it's like some weird like what's that show where people do drugs and, and they have like yeah, it was like some weird intervention thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Do you have any long term thoughts about Spencer, like uh gratitude for that he didn't tell you guys to fuck off later, stuff like that? I think he should have. I think he should have told us to fuck off later. Um, I think it's interesting that he didn't, which speaks to his character, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. I think that it would have been really easy for him to, you know, even us now back back touring again, you know, in these last couple of years, like, it'd be really easy for him to go, yeah, I'll come do it if, you know, I'll yeah. come, I'll come, I'll, I'll say this if, but I think we've all come to a place where we all, we all know it was fucked up. You know what I mean? And we're all real close for the first time. And I think that for him, he, he could have done a lot after that, you know, and I, I, every once in a while, it's funny, you know, he's about to turn 35 and every once in a while I'll hear him say something about it. And it's very rare. It's like a very rare thing that every once in a while I hear him say something like, yeah, remember you guys fucking kicked me off warp tour. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, like every once in a, I mean, and it's very, you know, it's like a super, super rare thing to hear him say but every once in a while you'll hear him say some stuff like that um so i would think that he still holds it a little bit you know what i mean i think that he still carries a little bit of that and how couldn't he yeah you know what i mean like that was the biggest point in our career you know records will never sell sell like that again like things won't ever look like that again you know and we literally literally was like the biggest moment of your career like within a few days of like the biggest possible moment, number two record in the yeah. country on the biggest s- summer tour for stuff like that, and you were the main band. On, I mean, it, it literally yeah. was like the biggest moment of your career. It was. I'm. I'm. I'm still. You have got. You have. You have gotten a talent for this. I just digging stuff up. It just. It makes me mad now. <laughs> like to think about it, I'm like, fuck, man, like. Did we really like? Did we really do that? You know, but it was the biggest moment, and I think that for him, he may hold a little bit of that because of that. And I think that, uh, you know, if you if you dig it up like we just have in the last hour, it'll make me mad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it sucks, dude. It sucks. But I think for the most part, he has really risen above it and gone. I get it. You know, because it it it, it the crux of him, he was the same as we were. He just had different desires. You know, like he was the same as we were wanting everything to be copacetic and wanting everything to be correct. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was no like he didn't want to blow the ship up. You know, it's like it's not like he was doing it to like, you, you know, just for spite or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, I'm all good on this. I've got everything I need. Thank you so much for Sick. talking in so much detail. It's going to make the episode. You'll be you'll be the anchor of the whole episode. All right. I'm going to get back to it, too. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. See you, bud. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, 
we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon appétit. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.